This is Rocks to Roots, a podcast presented by the Spokane Conservation District. This podcast series is intended to share education and resources related to land management, conservation practices, and celebrate some of the great stewards of our land here in our region. Hello and welcome to Rocks to Roots podcast, conservation conversations from the backyard to the back 40. I'm your host, Hillary, and I'm joined by Brennan Pointer. Hello. So I'm really excited for our episode today because we are talking to the managers from Vets on the Farm. Have you heard of Vets on the Farm? Not that much. No, I haven't. Well, Vets on the Farm is a program started by the Spokane Conservation District that is designed for veterans seeking a new mission and a way to transition back into civilian life through careers in agriculture, farming, ranching, or other conservation-based industries. Mm. Plus, we just had such a great interview with these guys talking about nutrient-dense food and volunteer opportunities that can happen up at the farm. Um, and not to mention, what a great duo they are, right? Mm-hmm. They were so much fun to talk to. So educational, informative, and yeah, I, I enjoyed I enjoyed the conversation. It was nice to be sitting here learning so much about what they're doing with Vets on the Farm. And it's really cool that they're part of the South Spokane Farm Corridor. Yep, they are. They're just located right there in basically our backyards, just south of I-90 off the Palouse Highway. So let's get into it. We're going to talk with Vets on the Farm managers Grant and Dwayne. Hello and welcome to Rocks to Roots. We are very excited to have the managers of Vets on the Farm here joining us today. How are you guys doing? Doing wonderful. We're in the AC today. (laughs) Well, you weren't all day though. Did you just come straight from the farm? We did. We did. Yeah. It was a little warm today. Just a little. Yeah. 101. That's all. Yeah. Sorry about the smell. It's okay. We're we're six foot distancing, so it's all good. <laughs> well, first, I just want to have you both introduce yourselves to our listeners. So, Dwayne, I'll have you start. My name is Dwayne Spronick. I'm on the greenhouse manager up at Vets in the Farm. And also, um, can you tell us uh, what branch and when and where you served? I served um, in the U.S. Army from 2006-2011 as a uh, 68 whiskey, which is a medic, and... Um, I was stationed in Fort Stewart, Georgia. Wonderful, humid, muggy, horrible place to be, but most of the time I wasn't there. I was doing my tours in, uh, in Iraq, my two tours in Iraq. So. And Grant? I'm Grant Weber. I'm the farm manager of Vets on the Farm. Uh, I, was in a, I joined the greatest air force in the world in 1993, and it took me to Misawa, Japan, Florida, Illinois, back here to Washington, over to Germany, and then to um, Arizona, where I retired, and I did six tours in the Middle East. Well, thank you so much for your service, first and foremost. So what inspired you guys to get into agriculture, and how did you become involved with the Vets on the Farm program? Well, I grew up in Ritzville, and my great-grandparents homesteaded there on a wheat farm, so I've always been in some kind of agriculture. My grandma had a huge garden, my dad had a garden, my mom helped out with that. And then 
after I retired out of the Air Force, I came in contact with Vicki Carter, and she got me into her web, which we call it. It's a good <laughs> web. <laughs> but I started volunteering at the farm and then went straight into part-time and now full-time. And what about you, Dwayne? When I came back, I was looking to get out of the... So I'm going to get out of the medical field and found that landscaping was pretty cool. I really was enjoying it. I found a good piece in it. And so I went to SEC for the greenhouse management program, thinking that if I'm going to do landscaping, at least I could do a field that's big here in Spokane, which is greenhouses. And during that time, um, I further transitioned into the uh, small farms program and growing vegetables and helping my community became something that just uh, kind of inspired me. So. That's how I moved into it. That's awesome. So what would you say makes Vets on the Farm such a distinctive opportunity for veterans once they come home and once they're done with their mission? Well, in my opinion, you're, you're around a bunch of vets, so you don't have to transition too far. You can kind of speak your mind. Everybody's cool and understands what you're trying to say. But also the farm itself allows for like that 100% immersion into the field. You don't just go out there and be told this is your job section you go out there and say hey everything get it done let's see what happens anything you want to learn we'll teach you any tools you want to use they're there for you to put your hands on and in general uh, hands-on is the best type of learning so that's what vets in the farm offers would you say that it's really a great transition to be able to get veterans out there who might be suffering from PTSD or haven't found their way back into civilian life to just really be engulfed in this agricultural world and get, like we like to say, dirt therapy. I would definitely say that it's a great, um, a great place if you're if you're suffering from any of those things or just have some, uh, just having a hard time getting back into the city world. You know, it's just you're there. You can kind of zone out if you need to, pay attention when you need to, and again, you have all your your support of some great people there that can really help you to just navigate the, the currents. And uh, so, yes, I would say it's a perfect place to be, and as you said, uh, you can always put your hands in the soil, get that dirt therapy going, and feel better the next day. Well, I, I, and I believe that vets and farmers have a similar mission. I mean, they're both mission-driven. Um, they're both very selfless careers. And uh, it, like you said, it's therapeutic. We have people that come out there and just, we lose them for a while. They're, they get out there. We, I mean, we don't lose them. We know where they're at. <laughs> but um, they just get in their own little world and just keep doing stuff. If it's just as simple as weeding or, you know, doing some seeding or anything like that. And connecting with vets, like Dwayne said, is, is a huge thing. Because we don't have to explain to each other what's going on. We've all been there in some some shape or form, so what's the like process of getting vets to to come work on the farm i what's what's that like how, how does that work uh we do a lot of outreach okay so we go to the base and 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 give a short class um and just lately it's it's been kept coming a lot more and more um it, the word's been getting out i guess is what i'm trying to say mm. um you have to be willing to work and work a lot and but i think when we get up there and correct me if i'm wrong but everybody relaxes a little bit more when they get to the farm. Mm. Um, you have to want to be in agriculture or farming, mm -hmm. of course. <laughs> Definitely a passion. Yeah. You have to like what you're doing, but uh, we've seen guys come there. They're pretty stiff and still saying sir and ma'am. And, but when they get around us, it's they, everybody kind of calms down a little bit and mm. loosens up. And So they don't necessarily have to have any 
background or training previously in agriculture or farming or gardening oh, no. or anything like that. They can, come, they can be a complete green thumb or green horn. That'd be better. Mm-hmm. They, they can be green. <laughs> and uh, that I myself, I didn't know anything about about anything until I pretty much showed up to Vets in the Farm and started working it. And um, now I'm a manager there. So, I mean, yeah, there's tons of opportunities and, and ability to learn. And we're always looking uh, to find that next that next thing to teach or to learn. So if there's a new tool out, we're on it. If there's a new technique out, we're, we're learning about it, teaching it, we're showing it. I mean, we used to have yellow couch training where, I mean, the most basic things of putting on YouTube and saying, let's watch a bunch of tomato videos and let's see what we can glean. And then we take, you know, our book knowledge and everything else and we figure it out. And we, uh, so no, there's no prerequisites or anything else. Come as you are and feel free to learn. Hmm. That's awesome. So what does a typical day up at the farm look like for you guys? When do you start? What are you doing? Who's all there? Well, um, typically... Dwayne starts off the morning. He's, I'm, I'm, I'll throw a shout out to Dwayne. He's the hardest working person we have up there. Puts in the most hours. You know, he lives up there, but he's, he, I mean, he lives and breathes that farm. So thanks to him. So he usually gets stuff going. I usually show up and uh, he knows right away what kind of day it's going to be with me. If I get out and just start spewing out, this is what we need to do, this, this, this. And he's like, well, good morning. I'm like, sorry. Or if he knows, if he hears music playing when I'm coming up the road. Then he knows it's going to be, or if I oh, hear him hat, that he has music going. So there's usually music going, um, all different kinds. Then we ha- we have a board, we have everything assigned to people, so they can come right in. We have uh, seven interns up there now, and so they can look at that board right now, and they're they're far far enough along where they can just look at that board and go right to tasks, and and they know exactly too. So um, right now, it's I was just mentioning today to. To Corey, that you know, it's really nice. Everybody's getting in their grooves, and we're in the busiest part of our season right now. And they're not—I mean, everybody's just coming in and just everything's. We're getting stuff done quick. We get so much done before one o'clock, mm. you know, before thirteen hundred. It's before it was taking us all day to wash stuff, and now it's it's done by by thirteen hundred, and we take our lunch. And um, with the heat now, that kind of changes things a little bit. If I'm not wrong with that. So we do try to get up um, and start as early as the morning as possible, zero five thirty zero six, just because I mean, y- you want to sleep a little bit at least, you know, recover from the previous day's sun, but uh, just knock out as much as you can as fi- fast as we can uh, before that thirteen hundred mark, and then if we do have stuff, we try to change it up into um, either working in the greenhouse or working inside things to keep us out of the heat. There's no need to destroy yourself for no reason. Um, but at the same time, if there's a mission and we got to get something in the field or get something pulled out, we will do it. And, you know, five o'clock days, even with the heat this week, what is it? Uh, 103 is a few days, 101, a couple days. Mm-hmm. So even with it, if we have to get it done, we will, but we do try to just put as much energy into that beginning of the day and get it done. So, and so how big is the farm? So the land itself is, uh, three and a half acres. And then currently I believe we have one acre in production. And how did you guys go about finding that land or obtaining that land? Well, um, Vicki Carter, the director of the conservation district, put out the word like she does, and uh, graciously by the Etman family, they leased us this land for very affordable. Wow. Like a 10-year lease. 
So um, that's what we're on, and we've done a lot of improvements to it. We've gone in there and done everything, and Home Depot's helped us out with that. Mm. Northwest Farm Credit Service, Dan Kleckner, and the Warriors for Golf, you know, they've all been our huge, huge partners and sponsors for that stuff, just improving everything there, so. That's awesome. So what's growing up at the farm right now? Just off the top of my head. <laughs> I think we have uh, cabbage, kale, carrots, cucumbers, basil, beets, cilantro, turnips, radishes, fennel, eggplant, peppers, cauliflower, Brussels sprouts, <laughs> kohlrabi, squash, melons, beans, lettuce, tomatoes, shallots, onions, flowers, herbs, pumpkins, pears, plums, chickens, ducks, corn, and garlic. Yeah. You forgot the shard. Uh, oh, yeah. Shard. <laughs> So just, so just a couple of crops up there right now. Wow, that's awesome. And so you mentioned that you have seven interns. So how do um, how do they go about getting those internships? Two of our interns are through the Veterans Conservation Corps. It's where Dwayne started off, so he can speak a little bit more on that. And the other five we got this year through USDA grant. So they're all part-time interns. So 18 or 20 hours a week, which is, you know, a lot of people have other jobs or they have a lot of our interns have their own farms actually, too. So they have they you know, go in between. Um, so we just got that USDA grant to fund those. So it's been a huge help to us. But we got Dwayne actually through the VCC internship for two years. And um, you can probably speak a little bit more on that. Yeah, the VCC is run through uh, as a sister program through the DVA. And um, it, it focuses on um, healing through conservation work. So right now they're really heavy in the west side of the state over there. And um, there's a great network of people and opportunities there. There's always job opportunities for different uh, conservation uh, tasks that are going on. And so far they, um, I've met a lot of people through there and every single one of them has gone through some sort of something and has felt better after putting their hands, uh, getting their hands dirty. Um, conservation work is not always the easiest. I had one guy, one of my buddies there from there was, uh, calling, I think bullfrogs off of the Tacoma Island or something. I, hmm. the island around in that Tacoma area. So they were an invasive species and of course gotta get out there and handle that. So, um, but the guy was super happy about it, and he was happy to belong to something. And so, uh, got to give a lot of praise to the to the VCC. It's a great program that helps veterans, and um, yeah, helps veterans to heal and find a find a purpose. It's great to hear that we have those resources here in the state of Washington that can make those connections and you know just help um, help people improve and better their lives and give them something to do. Um, that's really Almost important. Definitely. Oh, what is that? What's the VCC stand for? For like listeners uh, who did you say it? Veteran Conservation. Corps. Oh, okay. Thank you. I, I was. And it's under the, the DVA, which is the Department of Veteran Affairs. Gotcha. Sorry, military acronyms. <laughs> no, no, it's fine. <laughs> oh, we at the Conservation District love our acronyms too. So I'm just getting into them. So I. Uh... <laughs> I know we're gonna have a quiz after the season. They save Brennan, tons of time, but add a lot of confusion, so it's all good. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um. So I know that you talked about, obviously, this is a program that the Spokane Conservation District started, and you mentioned Northwest Farm Credit Services and Dan Kleckner, Golf for Warriors. Let us in on how those partnerships really kind of developed and how they have helped to bolster the work of Vets on the Farm. Well, most of that, most of that was done 
um, through the district, the conservation district, and I know Vicki went out and was speaking. She had a vision with, I know Scott Gale was a part of that, uh, how to run, the, you know, this, this farm, this to make money on a small farm, to provide a lot of vegetables and produce on a sm- on small acreage is the biggest, that's our biggest thing. Um, and she just went and asked. She was at a, a um, convention or conference, and at the end she just, she just asked, hey, we need some land. The tractor would be nice. And if anybody's got that, please give us a shout-out. And the Etman family um, stepped up the next day. She, she said she got a call the next day that they called. Wow. And then and then she's on the board, I believe, of the, you know, the Dan, Dan Kleckner Golf Classic. And, and he has done so much for the veterans in this area. It's not just us. We see it um, every time we do something with the – with the Dan Kleckner Classic, we actually had a uh, couple Gold Star moms up to the farm. Um, they're going to start their own garden. They took over the garden at the Veterans Center, so we're going to do what we can to help them. Hmm. Um, and I know he's he's, you know, put some funds that way through the the Golf Classic. So, so I'm going to ask each of you this question. Hmm. But what is your favorite story or your proudest moment being a part of this program, Vets on the Farm? My favorite moment, and I, I still. I still see it see it today because it's just it was so funny to me. So um, we had one of our customers. She would pick up her kids and she would come to the farm, and we were always closed. We didn't open at early enough at that time. So I would tell her just use the back gate. It's fine. It's perfectly fine. I'm setting up if you don't mind. She says cool. So she would show up. She'd have her kids. They'd come out of the car, and they're you know kindergarten to maybe third grade. They're young little little dudes, and there's three of them. And I remember the youngest one. It was it was a couple times in. I set up my fa- I set up the stand and everything else, and we're selling. And we have these purple bell peppers called Islander peppers that are super sweet and good. They're sitting there, just right in the front. And this this little guy just comes marching up. I mean, with a purpose. He looked me square in the eye, just just <laughs> staring me down. Grabbed one of those peppers and just bit it like an apple. Just boom. And he loved it. He just kept eating it. And the whole time, his mom was like. His mom was like, oh, wow, hey, no, stop, stop. And he's just looking at me. He didn't even look at her a single time. He's just eating, just eating that pepper and just staring at me. <laughs> he was the alpha there. Yeah, and I was good with it. I was like, all right, man, if that's what it takes for you to eat peppers or to eat fruit, I'm all good with it. So I don't know. To me, that was something that just, you know, seeing uh, seeing youth just enjoy freshly grown organic uh, vegetables is really awesome. They didn't spit it out. There was no weird thing in their mind. He was just like, hey, this tastes good, and I'm taking this. So I was happy. <laughs> Yeah, it is great to see. I know that I've visited the farm quite a few times, and it is great to see just, you know, the younger generation, like, getting putting their hands in the dirt and, yeah, eating those tomatoes or eating those peppers or, you know, going to grab for whatever vegetable they want, and then also just to engage with the farmers, too, and, you know, see the chickens and oh yeah, most the definitely. landscape, everything like that. Something that's been lost, so giving them that opportunity to experience it, to learn it, to even just, just to see it. You know, that's that's a huge opportunity for uh, youth. Yeah, that's awesome. That is definitely something to be proud of. Grant, what about you? Proudest moment or favorite memory or favorite um, moment? I, I'll have to go with the proudest. Uh, I, you know, I love our customers. We have the best, com- I mean, around, our, around the farm, the community customers, they're just, I mean, we have people that walk there from up above and from down the road and stuff, and um, I could go on and on, but we do have one customer and she was going through breast cancer last year 
and she came up to the farm and said she's changing how she's she's redoing her diet and she's going to fight this thing and she was pretty small uh, thin and going through stuff and she says i come here for you guys' tomatoes and she's <laughs> she would load up on the tomatoes because she knew how important you know having nutritionally dense food was and i just saw her um last saturday and she looks amazing She's, oh, she's gotten awesome. through most of it, and I mean, she's still fighting it. Of course, she'll always be fighting it. I'm sure, but she looked great, and I told her she looked great even through masks, which you know it's hard to do in this day and age. <laughs> but you know that was that was pretty special. As we have a lot of customers that come up to us and say we just want a tomato to taste like a tomato, things like that. So that that makes us happy. We're pretty um, proud of our produce, but oh, we yeah. get pretty. We're like a big mother too. Like if someone doesn't like it, we we get a little upset, and we're like, well, you know, not everybody's gonna like your your product. But. <laughs> So what are some of the challenges that you guys face on, up on the farm? What's our number one challenge, probably? We were doing it today, almost the afternoon. Weeds? <laughs> weeding? We're weeding. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Organic farming, sometimes you don't always, we just don't, can't spray stuff. Uh, we had some cover crop get away from us, and, and this year's been horrific with weeds. Uh, selling what we grow, I think, has been one of our biggest things. We came into this wanting to farm and not marketing experts. And guess what? We're still not marketing experts. <laughs> oh, no. But it's we're learning, and we can grow great stuff. It's just getting it out there and for the public to see it and, you know, to buy it. I think that's that's one of our biggest things. And, and I, think, I think if you listen yeah. to the list that happened earlier, sometimes we have a hard time on focusing on specific crops and ending it right there. We get those amazingly beautiful, well-thought-out magazines at the beginning of every year, and you see all these new varieties and the newest of the new, and you just want to grow it all, and you want to bring that all to the community, and you can't, but sometimes we try to sneak a few more in there. It, it, it becomes a factor towards out, throughout the year when you're trying to really uh, uh, stagger your crops to, to always have something growing. So, What was the first crop that you grew up at the farm, <laughs> and how did it go? Well, <laughs> what we grew, or well, this is a story that I heard before we, we got there, because we haven't been there since, you know, at the beginning. But they cleared those bottom fields, and I guess put a lot of tomatillos in there. Mm. And we are still finding tomatillos <laughs> to this oh, yeah. day. They got overgrown down there, and then, you know, they moved. They, they did, uh, if you come out to the farm, you'll see we have beds up on the hill now. But we still find tomatillos down there every year. And <laughs> mm. we, we still let a couple grow just for oh yeah just have sentimental them. reasons, I guess. Definitely. Is a, is a, so you said earlier the farm's totally org- organic. You don't spray. You don't do. It's all like so. That's why you have so many weeds. But why is that important? Hundred percent that- organic. Mm. We're we're way above organic actually. If you, if you look at the what's required of us, um, organic's a floor for us. Mm. So we're focused on nutrient density. So mm. we're focused on the soil, on the microbes, on actually have something that's healthy. You can go and spray your NPKs, and you can pretty much just get away with that. And you can put your herbicides and your fungicides and all that, but eventually you're killing off all the good microbes in the soil that are breaking mm-hmm. down and, and feeding those plants um, in a good, healthy way that can give us what those plants provide. So uh, no sprays whatsoever. That way we can have a good um, fungal to bacterial ratio in our soils. Uh, right now, a lot of places that do spray have, I think it's like a, a few thousand to one, maybe even be hundreds of thousands of bacteria to fungi, and you can't have that ratio. Your fungi really do pull a lot of nutrients out of the soil and throw it into the plant or make it bioavailable for the plant. Mm-hmm. So um, once you start spraying, 
you're starting to kill all that. So you don't want to do that. You want to feed that um, organically and just uh, keep the soil going as best as you can without killing killing off your workers pretty much. Mm. So. so I want to dive into this nutrient-dense thing a little bit more because this is something that I don't think a lot of people have heard or it's not like in their normal vocabulary. So you're saying that not all vegetables are created equal? <laughs> I can, right. I'll start, and then this is Dwayne's wheel, wheelhouse. He goes down rabbit holes, <laughs> YouTube, podcasts, other podcasts and stuff. But um, most vegetables that we know, you know, they're made for transportation and not consumption. So mm. there's not much in there. They're just so they can get thrown around. The tomatoes, you can bounce off the floor, stuff like that. Lettuce is, doesn't have a taste to it or, it, you know, it's made. By the time you get most lettuce, it's probably about two weeks old. Mm. So oh, wow. coming from Arizona, even if they freeze it and rush it up here, but um, but nutritionally dense, that's what we're fighting for. We're, we we do our bricks testing and we're we're trying to to grow the best, but we have to we feed the soil first is is our motto up mm. there. But mm-hmm. um, vegetables in general, I'm not good with dates or names, but uh, in general they've been dropping off in nutrition since I believe uh, 1940, 1960, somewhere around there, and just lacking huge amounts of nutrients. So I, I think it was something like back in the day, you'd get one serving of broccoli to get your, your vitamin needs. And now it's almost 12 servings. Oh my goodness. Because again, they're just, uh, most mega farms or large farms are producing in order to feed the public. And that's it. And that is a good goal. I mean, there's nothing wrong with that. In some sense, you do need to feed the public. That's just the way it goes. But when you're actually looking for health and you're looking, saying, hey, I want to just be a better uh, body, you know, you're needing to get something more than just what comes out of these, the farms. Because like Grant said, it's it's more meant for uh, shipping. Uh, take everything else away, manipulate the plant in order to just make sure that it can produce something that can last. And that's it. And at that point, all the rest of the genes that help to break stuff down are kind of gone. Mm. And then, of course, when you want to keep these huge numbers going, all this this product moving, you have to spray. Otherwise, there's no way you could do, you know, a few hundred acres by hand weeding. It's just not going to happen unless you had, you know, a huge force. And at that point, monetarily, it's just not going to – it's not plausible. Mm. So um, it's great that uh, large farms do want to get food out there, and they are all moving towards no-till – more organic, focusing more on microbes because there's just so much more there. Mm. But in the meantime, you know, you have farms like us that really do focus on as much as we can, and uh, we'll take a loss over doing a spray. Mm. It's just the way it goes. So what would be your advice for the everyday consumer when they're going to the grocery store and now they've heard nutrient-dense food? What would be your advice to them for picking out their produce or their fruits or vegetables? Or- I, I would say talk to your farmer. Know your farmer. Mm-hmm. No, you know, no farms, no food. If you go out and you know where it's being grown, and you can see what's going on, I mean, buy local. That's a, that's the biggest thing, I believe. Agreed, hundred percent. Buy local because mm-hmm. you can actually go see what's going on, talk to the people, and see where they're farming, and all that. I mean, even if you buy organic at the store, sometimes you know it's big organic. But if you buy locally, then you, but you're helping someone too in your community also, because there's a lot of small farms around here that need that. So, and when he says buy local, also uh, engage with your farmer, engage with that person who's growing your food. I tell you, 
we'll talk for hours uh, when a customer comes over and they start asking, well, what do you spray? Uh, nothing, neem oil. And they're like, oh, well, what is that? And we'll go into it and we'll start talking about it, what it covers, what it does. I mean, most farmers do take a lot of pride in what they're doing. So when you go to talk to them, you're asking them, how do you spray? What do you do? They're more than willing to talk to you because that is the passion of the farmer right there to help produce that food. So definitely talk to your farmer and um, ask them all about it. Ask them any question you can think of. Most farmers, again, especially organically and small farms local are there for, for the community. Mm. So yeah, pick their brains. <laughs> well, that's great. And that is one thing that we really want to drive home during this podcast is eat local, support local. I mean, the economic incentives are so important, especially right now in the midst of this pandemic. Um, it's really important just to make sure that those dollars are feeding back into the community. And um, no, that's great. So I have to ask, what is neem oil? <laughs> uh, neem oil is an oil that comes from a tree, um, the neem tree or the neem plant. And there's two versions of it. There's um, a cold pressed and then a processed. And from everything that I can tell, um, when you get your cold pressed, you're keeping all these you're keeping more structures alive inside the oil that can help the plant more, uh, mm. uh, it's hard to say. Uh, it more suffocates b- bugs is what it does. That's what it does in general. It's it it goes down rabbit holes a lot. <laughs> <laughs> it suffocates, it suffocates you, bugs. You do want your cold-pressed neem oil to keep some of those biologicals mm. in the oil so that when you spray it, it imparts more to your plant, helps to fight off those bugs in mm. other ways other than just smothering them. But if you did just get your, your heated or your processed neem oil, it would act as an, as an oil to cover the bug and to help suffocate them because they breathe through their bodies, a lot of them. Stay tuned for more Rocks to Roots right after this. Summer and hot temperatures mean it's wildfire season. Don't wait until you see smoke in the air to prepare and educate your family, friends, and neighbors about techniques you can take to prevent catastrophic wildfire damage to your home and property by using FireWise principles. The Spokane Conservation District offers free FireWise risk assessments to Spokane County residents. You can schedule yours today by visiting sccd.org. A forester from the Spokane Conservation District will visit your property to evaluate your home's risk and provide you with a list of practical ways to reduce the threat of a wildfire. Take action and ownership in preparing and protecting your home against the threat of a wildfire by booking your free FireWise risk assessment today. Yep, you heard me. Free FireWise Risk Assessment. All you have to do is go to sccd.org to sign up today. Looking for something to do after work or on the weekends? Well, grab your friends and family and head out to the South Spokane Farm Corridor. The South Spokane Farm Corridor is a collection of 14 farms that have a wide variety of farm fresh products to offer, located south of I-90 along the Palouse Highway, headed towards Valley Ford and Spangle. You can pick up anything from organic produce to farm fresh eggs, honey, meat products, and even fresh cut flowers. It's sure to be a fun day filled with learning about today's food and farming culture. Get to know your local farmers and gain a better understanding of the quality of food you're consuming. Learn more about the partnering farms by visiting SouthSpokaneFarmCorridor.com or follow the South Spokane Farm Corridor on Facebook for weekly farm stand announcements and fresh sheets. 
So what, for each of you, what is your favorite crop to grow and why? Do you want to answer this for me? or <laughs> do, you, do you know mine? You can take it. Uh, uh, gar- I enjoy garlic. Um, I just think that it's, uh, well, I love garlic. I love how it goes with everything. And uh, it's, it's a fairly, it's intensive planting for us because we do it all by hand and harvesting. That's what we were doing this morning. Um, but we get three different kind of uh, crops out of it. We get out of the hardnecks. We sell the scapes, and we sell we sell the um, actual garlic table garlic we call it, and then the seed garlic also. Mm. So, and then we're looking into doing more processing. So, um, we've been playing around with garlic powder, oh. and even like um, pesto and stuff like that. So, oh, but yeah. I love it. But cucumbers this year <laughs> are starting to are starting to be in my next. And I love because uh, you have to grow something that you love to, or you really like. Don't grow something that you want to kill that you you don't want. <laughs> But we've talked about that a lot too. So. Oh yeah. And I'm equal opportunity, so I love all the vegetables equally. Oh, <laughs> I do. I do have a little bit. They're of They're listening, for my so don't yeah, hurt say, any of their feelings. I've caught them out in the field and with his pepper, singing to them a couple of times early in the morning. So it's a little weird, but it's, it's all right. They grow great. They've gotten hotter this year, so yeah. that makes me happy. And uh, as the years go by, I'll figure out how to get them to, you know, super potency. Yeah, it's my goal. Oh, I love it. So what advice would you give someone that is interested in putting their toe in the agricultural pond or getting involved in a small farm here in our community? We, we tell people this all the time when they come out, if they're interns or it, it's not as romantic as you think it is. I mean, I absolutely love it. It's a lifestyle. That's why um, you don't get into it for the money. They always say, how do you make a large fortune in farming? Or how do you make a small fortune? You start with a large fortune. <laughs> but it's not always so romantic. There's a lot of work in between. A lot of people think you just put a seed in the ground, water it a few times, it grows, and you sell it for this great price. But um, I think John F. Kennedy said, uh, the farmer is the only man in the economy who buys everything retail, sells wholesale, and pays the freight both ways. So it can be, uh, for us, you know, the marketing part or selling our stuff sometimes is a little frustrating. But, yeah, the lifestyle, you can't beat the lifestyle. I, I love growing stuff, getting your hands in the dirt. I love it. Um, get as much experience as you can. Start at the bottom and, you know, do the weeding, do the tough stuff. If you can do that, then you're going you're gonna to be fine. And I would say just, um, I'm going to go cliche on this one, just never stop learning. Um, mm. there's always something new as far as practices or how to, or companion planning or, you know, choose the venue and there's always something new coming out, uh, as far as science goes and the whole farming thing goes. So, um, once you think you've learned it, go back to the books and I guarantee you'll learn something Start, new. start small and then build oh, up. Yeah, we always, definitely. we always get ahead of ourselves sometimes, but if you start small and just slowly build, perfect what you're doing, you never perfect it, but if you hone what you're doing then, and then go on to the next thing, so. How, how many plants did vets on the farm start with? Like you have, you listed all the ones you have off. Did it start very small? And then you guys, you say perfect, perfecting it. So you've been perfecting. I, I, I corrected myself. <laughs> did anything. Mother nature always wins. We thought we were ahead of the game last year and then we got an early freeze. And then this year with the hot and then cool, mm. it's been really challenging for us. Um, I'm not sure how many they started with. Not as many as we're doing now. Right. For sure. 
um, at first when we got there, because we got there about a month or a couple weeks apart, we started working at the farm at the same time, and it, it was it was tough. The soil is coming along now, mm. um, but it was like rock hard. Um, bunching onions were are <laughs> like we. St- I still am not a fan of bunching onions, picking them, but just because the ground was so hard, I, we might have had ten, mm. ten different crops, and we're just rotating them. So our, our deal is we rotate crops as many times. We have thirty inch rows, mm. and we try to, once we pull something out the next day, something else goes in. So in our environment here, we try to get as many turns as we can. So some some rows will turn three or four times, you know, some two or three, and that's how we, we can make, you know, living on a small, on less than an acre. So. Mm. And uh, so again, that first year, what, I was not there, but the second year when we came on, uh, we had moved from the lower fields to the two fields that had gotten terraced on our hill, our wonderful steep hill. And it's, uh, they're 75 by 75 beds and they're, um, those were the two things in production at the time. And it really was Nabachan onions and, uh, carrots Mm. and more and more. The food bank loved us that year. Uh, we had nowhere to put it, so might as well donate it. And, uh, Mm. it was good. It was good in the end. So, but, uh, now we have, instead of just those two beds, which is AB, now we have three there on the, on the hill terraced out. So we have ABC. Then we have four more uh, D, E, F, and G below now. So uh, was that almost tripled since yeah. we got there, uh, mm-hmm. our production area? Nice. And how long have each of you been with Vets on the Farm? We're trying to think. of This has been three years, right? This is our third. At least three, three, three and a yeah, half three, years. Yeah, three and a half years. So, somewhere in there. Oh, awesome. Time flies. So how can our listeners um, support Vets on the Farm and your guys' mission? Uh, come to the farm. That's the biggest thing. We'll give you a tour. Uh, Jeff Kistler is our local tour guide. <laughs> we lose him lots of times. He's supposed to be running one of the stands, and he'll just be off giving people tours. There's a, I think there's in business there's supposed to be a ratio for how long someone spends at your place and how much you're, they're supposed to spend. <laughs> we don't do a very good job of that. We'll talk to you. We'll show you everything. We'll give you a tour through the hoop house. Um, like Dwayne was saying before with the – um, just ask us questions, and uh, we'll answer everything. If we don't, we'll we'll buy you a beer. So <laughs> just come buy veg. That's our biggest thing. And follow us on inst- Instagram and social media because mm-hmm. we do have our our mobile truck that we go out. Big Dina, we take her out every week. Instead of an ice cream truck, we sell vegetables out of it. So we go to places and just set up for an hour, two hours. But yeah. Wait, so your mobile truck is called Big Dina. Mm. How did you come up with Big Dina? Well, once you see her, you'll know. That's, that's her name. <laughs> it's actually one of our varieties of tomatoes. But in the military, everything kind of gets a nickname. Vehicles, guns. We'll leave it at that. Uh, but, <laughs> it, uh, <laughs> but it just, you know, our Big Dina's our big slicer, and it just seemed fitting. So we got her all painted up and she's as beautiful on the inside as she is on the outside now so and where are you guys delivering right now or what are some spots that you're delivering at uh right now we're we're um at the veteran thrift shop up uh right by the va hospital right by the va hospital is at wellesley mm-hmm. oh, um yeah. so we mm-hmm. spend a couple hours there uh we'll also do the spoken conservation district and the um WSU Extension Office. We'll usually spend about an hour there, 
And then we were trying to get some more spots going. Uh, we were doing the Shadow Library. Um, there's no shade there, and they're doing a lot of construction. Mm-hmm. So it just kind of uh, not happening anymore. Uh, hopefully, we will be picking that back up once you know the library's back going and everything. Mm-hmm. And, um, other than that, uh, future venues, hopefully, uh, we'll be going to Numerica um, down on Adams and Sprague and setting up shop there for an hour. And uh, we also have been hitting in Trinium for about an hour there as well. And that's the beauty about Big Dino. We can go and uh, service a whole building, a whole business, and then bounce out. only takes about an hour and good to go on to the next stop. So we, we're very flexible with Big Dina, and um, yeah, we're always looking to add new spots. That's awesome. So fresh veg on the go. Very cool. So if someone's interested in possibly, you know, having you guys do a drop off at their location, how could they go about contacting you for that? They could message us on Facebook or Instagram or call the Spokane Conservation District to get us in contact with you. Okay, awesome. So what's on the horizon for Vets on the Farm? Do we have new crops coming? Do we have, you got, I know that COVID, that before COVID, you guys were doing some workshops and um, some learning opportunities up at the farm. Are you hoping to bring those back maybe once everything settles down? Yeah, we're still, and we've been looking in, into doing the Zoom or the web um, webinars for our training. We did a seed propagation in the spring and then this little thing happened, this little <laughs> pandemic thing. So it's kind of, you know, but everybody's dealing with it. So we don't, we just, we just move on. But we're looking at that. Um, we're always looking at uh, the, the big horizon is like satellite farms. We, we have partnered. Uh, we went and looked in a place in Moses Lake, the Spirit Dancer Alpaca Farms. And it just wasn't able to happen this year. They have some land, and they, they want veterans to run it. So that's what we try to do. We try to put veterans wherever they need to be hmm. in agriculture. Now, it's just not growing vegetables. It would be, you know, ranching, um, forestry, anything like that. So that's, you know, the farm is just one small spoke of vets on the farm. We want to make it huge and branch out all over the state. Well, thank you guys so much for taking the time out of your day. And I know that you had a long day in the heat today and you are tired. I'm sure you're ready to go crash, but we appreciate you being here and um, just sharing all this great information about the program. It's really awesome to know that veterans have a place to go and a new mission um, that they can get involved in after they come home. So thank you for being here. And for those of you that want to learn more about Vets on the Farm, um, make sure that you visit their website, vetsonthefarm.org. And also, don't forget to follow them on Facebook and on Instagram so you can keep up on, you know, deliveries and what their fresh sheets are. Oh, and when are your farm stand hours? Wednesday from 3 to 7 and Saturdays from 9 to 1. I don't, and I think we'll mention it probably at the you know beginning of the show. But where is? I don't think we ever did we mention where the farm's located at. No, <laughs> where, we didn't. <laughs> where, where where can we find you guys at? Where is the actual farm located? So the farm itself is on seven five two four South Ellis Road, um, and that's if you hit fifty seventh and Palouse, mm-hmm. take uh, go up the Palouse, um, past the Chet, past the Moran Prairie, mm. uh, about two miles on the left hand side. We're there. 
And when the stand is open, we have big flags. We have signs mm. out that say open, turn here. So, yeah, feel free to drive up and uh, see what we have. All right. So we like to do a little bit of a spitfire round with our guests so that our listeners can just get to know you a little bit more and feel out your personalities a little bit. Are you guys down to yeah, do this? let's do this. Okay. Let's go. All right. Let's go. What's your favorite movie? Cool Hand Luke. Conan the Barbarian. If you could live anywhere in the world, where would it be and why? I'm going to go with Iceland, just because Lord of the Rings look really cool. <laughs> oh, God. What's wrong with you? Uh, um, I would love to li- live back in Germany. I uh, just love the food and the traveling and stuff. So, mm. What's your favorite dessert or candy? Ooh, sour gummies. At Walmart, they sell this huge tub of sour gummies, individual wrapped. I swear I've gained 30 pounds just <laughs> buying bucket after bucket of that. And it's only like eight bucks for a bucket of it. So sour gummies. Oh, my wife's cheesecake. She's cheesecake Ooh, queen. Cheesecake queen. Cheesecake. Any type of flavor or just? She does a key lime cheesecake. Oh, my gosh. <gasps> it's... Yum. Mm. Mm-hmm. I need a moment. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Toilet paper over or under? Over. It does not matter. In the <laughs> Actually, being in the military for so long and sweating in porta johns, wet wipes are the way to go. There you go. They don't disintegrate. Wipes. So you need you get in the Kuwait or Iraq or Afghanistan heat in those things. Mm, there's no such thing as toilet paper. So wet wipes, yeah. If you could have any superpower, what would it be and why? Telepathy. That way, I always know what's going on. I don't think I'd want to know what's going on in most people's minds. <laughs> flying. I guess flying because That's then you could cool. you could see what's going on and not know. Mm. I don't need to be in people's minds. No one wants to be in mine. So. <laughs> Netflix or YouTube? I think YouTube. There's more of a diversity. At night, Netflix. But when we're at the farm, YouTube because we're always pulling up farming stuff. Oh, so. Go. A little Netflix and chill at night, a little YouTube during the day. Yeah. All right. Salty or sweet? Salted caramel. Does that count? <laughs> That's, I know. That's cheating. I but. guess I would have to go. I have a sweet tooth, so I'd have to go with sweet. But Go salty. Sunflower seeds. Mm. See, I'm with you. I'm always tend- leaning towards the salty snacks yeah. for some reason, but... You know, you got to I agree salted caramel. You got mm-hmm. me there. If you could be reincarnated as a non-human animal, what would you pick? I have to go with bear. Polar bear. Not polar bear. That's <laughs> a grizzly bear. bear. It's cold out there. They got to be cold all the time. All right. And then would you rather be considered and you can only choose one, funny, intelligent, or good-looking? This is going to be a tough yeah, one for you because you have no idea what any Damn. of these things. Uh, I, <laughs> I have to go with funny. I like to make people laugh. I like people. I like to see people happy. So, I'll go with intelligence. I like to learn stuff. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for being here, you guys. Awesome. Thank, thank you, thank you for having us. Rocks to Roots is sponsored by the Office of Farmland Preservation. Office of Farmland Preservation is a program within the Washington State Conservation Commission that works to address the rapid loss of working farm and forest lands in our state. 
Together, the Washington State Conservation Commission and conservation districts provide voluntary, incentive-based programs that empower private landowners to implement conservation on their property. You can learn more about their programs and services by visiting their website, scc.wa.gov. Want to learn more about the Spokane Conservation District? Well, visit their website, sccd.org, and follow them on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. There, you will learn more about their various programs and departments and what they're working on right now.